0: Hello everyone. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name's Russ McCumber. I'm strategy director and general manager at Impressive Digital. Uh, I've got Gabe with me here today, Gabriel Grossman. G'day, Gabe. G'day, Russ. How are you doing? Oh, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. Alrighty. We've also got Amanda King from Optus and I'll get to her in a moment. Sorry, Amanda, but uh, just a quick little background. So Gabe and I have been doing podcasts and doing little bits of content for a while. We're SEO nerds, but he's my go-to guy. So we had a little podcast called Ask Gabe, hashtag Ask Gabe. So if you want to jump on LinkedIn, you can find that. Um, It's on YouTube as well. But, you know, those were just tiny little conversations where I'd get like an idea in the middle of the night. And I'd be like, why did that link do that? Or, you know, why? why, What happened when we did that little change? They had that big boost or went the other way. So I'd be, Gabe would get messages from me, you know, two in the morning on a Sunday morning. And then he'd respond back the next day. And we'd have these conversations where I'd ask Gabe about SEO. I've been doing this for, you know, digital marketing type thing for about 10 years. I've been in marketing broader for about close to 20 years now. Gabe, do you want to give a quick little introduction to yourself and, and, you know, prove why I always ask Gabe?
1: Absolutely. Thanks for the wonderful words. Um, So I have been working in the SEO space probably for going on 10 years now. I think I'm giving away my age a little bit. And I've been SEO lead slash digital performance director at Impressive for now going on a year and a half. Um, obviously working with Russ, talking SEO. As you mentioned, we love to nerd out on SEO. This is just another forum, another opportunity for us to have great guests on the show and do a little bit of a deep dive to understand how other people are going about um, doing great work.
0: Excellent, and that's exactly right. So we wanted an opportunity to talk for a longer time and pick someone else's brain. So we've got this series called SEO Success uh, Stories. SEO success stories and we will have uh, it's a limited series we'll have 12 episodes this season and then pick some brains of some people next season uh but for today Amanda you've waited very patiently we've got Amanda King from Optus g'day thanks so much for joining us today
2: yeah of course no worries it's, it's always a pleasure to to join in the SEO nerdery right I mean I've I've been in I've been in the field about the same length as as Gabe again kind of revealing my age a bit, but yeah it's it's always fun I'm always keen for a, a virtual uh bar chat, basically.
0: Well, before we get off into a bit more about Optus and about yourself, I'm going to ask you one key question just to get us off and set us uh, set us on our road. What do you think, Amanda, is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2021?
2: Oh, okay. This is going to be a bit of a controversial one, but convincing stakeholders that Core Web Vitals is not a chicken little moment and is not a sky's falling moment that everything else needs to drop and you need to focus on Core Web Vitals.
0: That's huge. Gabe, I can see some really big, a big smile and lots of nodding.
1: I think that SEO goes through waves and I think people, not necessarily people, but maybe clients, sometimes they get a little bit caught up in the latest and greatest. And I think Core Web Vitals is one of those things. It's, It's a hot trend at the moment because Google have openly stated that they've obviously got a keen interest in site speed. And so some clients might get a little bit prickly about that and start to get really nervous and overestimate the impact that something like that might have. So sometimes it's a, it's a case of saying, yes, it's important, but doing a little bit of handholding as well and just making sure that they understand the sky's not falling in. It's going to be okay.
0: Excellent. All right, well, we should probably give a bit more context to Amanda and her role. So she works as SEO manager at Optus. So for anyone in, in Australia, you've, you've got a pretty good understanding of who Optus is. They're an Australian leader in telecommunications. has been around for a long time. Um, I'm old enough to remember when they first came into the market and it was like, oh, it's not just Telstra. There's someone else as well now too. So they've, they've, they serve uh, 10 million customers daily across Australia, but they're more than just a telco network. So they cover everything from mobile, telephone, through to internet. Satellite, lots across media, entertainment, sport, and music. So a really, really, you know, established uh, brand here in Australia and, and you know, a, a kind of a global leader in a technology space. Amanda's been uh, in SEO since 2010. You just mentioned then, you know, been around for a while. Do you want to give us just a maybe brief little background? We know you've worked both sides, which we always love, that sort of client side and agency side.
2: Yeah, sure. So I actually, as with many people who've been in the industry, even just for a couple of years now, I got into it kind of sideways. I got hired as a copywriter for a marketing agency. And this is back when SEO was all about exact match keywords. Yeah. So they were like, you, you can write like all of this like random text that includes hotel Sydney or whatever it may be like in that exact phrase and not make it sound super awkward. Yep. So we're going to teach you SEO. So that's kind of how I started in. And then I, just got compelled by solving puzzles and, and helping people learn and really kind of help grow their businesses and help understand this kind of black box that was the internet and how to be visible on it without necessarily paying ads to Google and ad money to Google. And I just kind of went from there. Um, the last agency that I was at, I was leading and executing on our data and analytics offering. So I was setting up reporting and uh, Google Tag Manager and all of that for clients as well as leading uh, cro conversion rate optimization products uh projects as well so kind of run the gamut and for me the the bottom of it is always are we doing what's right for the user yep and and from a company perspective would you be doing this if, this if google didn't exist basically
0: there's lots of seos that have come at it you know from from that sort of copy and content perspective but then as the algorithm described kind of, you know got a bit more technical they haven't been able to make that leap And they've either, you know, stayed in a certain space or maybe they've moved more towards content strategy and the like. Um, You mentioned then, you know, you you started to take on data and analytics and all those sorts of things. So was that something that prior to getting into SEO, did you have that kind of technical mindset or were you really peaked? Was that interest peaked as you were moving further into your roles?
2: I'm not sure, honestly, how it came about because my dad worked in finance for years. so, So numbers have always kind of been a part of our family history yep and um like my favorite math was calculus okay so i I think it's just kind of the i I always kind of come at it from the solving the puzzle kind of angle yep and that's where where it comes from like it's definitely not my Absolute top skill, like yep. sitting and staring at Excel spreadsheets all day, still drains my brain a lot more than kind of doing an analysis. But I also, um, and Gabe, I'm sure uh, you kind of had a similar history, right? like, we we're of the generation that kind of grew up with the internet as the internet was growing up. So like when I was in my teens, I was in chat forums and kind of just fucking around with HTML. Yep. So I have that history where it's a bit of a natural extension of the way that I use the internet as a whole. Yep. So jumping into the technical side of things wasn't wasn't overly difficult for me. And I always saw and appreciated the need for the the numbers and the data and the analytics side of things and I push myself to do it more frequently because it's it's always a bit of a learning curve um, from a data perspective so the long story short it just is kind of
0: how my brain works <laughs> yeah and I think that's a good point about being a digital native Gabe I saw you nodding along when you mentioned that too like if you
1: it's fascinating because I was much the same in that Literally in high school, I was dabbling around with code, teaching myself how to put websites together. It was just that natural curiosity of wanting to understand how it all worked. And uh, I we guess all, the one we all built
2: a rainbow marquees at some point.
1: Exactly. Except I was terrible at math in school. So that's where I think we're not on the same page. But for me, it was it's that mesh of like. The, the data, obviously, you've got an interest in data and understanding how data works. And then, you know, the psychological aspects of the way in which, you know, people's brains function, you know, what they're thinking when they're jumping on a search engine and trying to have that perfect correlation between what's in their brain versus what's on the page. And just the technical components all kind of coming together, I think is what attracts a lot of SEOs to it. And uh, it's what makes it such an interesting and emerging field.
0: Mm, it's almost like the alchemy of a number of different things, you know? that you you enjoy kind of seeing a bubble away and, and come out with an outcome.
2: Yeah, you're never quite so sure good. how it'll how it'll work out, but you kind of yeah. think, you know, like it should be going in that direction, but maybe not.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I I always love uh, lots of my ask Gabe questions will come back with a, an answer starting with it depends. <laughs> so Amanda, what was the situation at Optus when when you first started there in terms of in terms of SEO? Like what what uh, I'm curious about you know, how big that SEO team was and what, what their, their challenges potentially were at the time.
2: Yeah, so look, I, I actually came into a relatively mature in-house team at Optus. The team had been started maybe, I want to say five or so years before. And I actually came on at a point where we were migrating our backend platforms as well. So there was a lot of like, I it was a three or four month process to get all of our 301 redirects implemented properly Mm -hmm. um, because we were waiting on, okay, this page still needs to be live because we need it as a mandatory for our EDM campaign that's going out. And like Mm -hmm. there were a bunch of moving pieces in terms of how long um, that process took, but no, the, the team was, was relatively mature but had just migrated into an agile um, framework. So there were, sections of the website that had never really gotten focused SEO work, Mm -hmm. um, until the team kind of moved to an agile framework because each, each of us, um, in, in the chapter effectively works on a single portfolio. So I'm focused on postpaid. So I'm focused on the mobile handsets and that definitely is a full-time job. (laughs) Um, and there were, um, there were definitely elements there to continue to uplift and improve and it's also be moving into the agile framework we had the ability from kind of maybe about six months to a year before i started to really work a lot more closely with the developers and the engineers Mm -hmm. in terms of looking at how um, we were building our javascript or how we were refreshing our libraries or hydrating our libraries or things like that so that pulled things together a lot more in terms of what we were actually able to impact.
0: Cool. And then so in terms of like resources, both then and now, like, was it a case of everything like a hundred percent done in house or are you using consultants or or how does that work from an ecosystem perspective? You know, a number of different stakeholders, are they all optus or what's to go there?
2: So we have obviously vendor relationships with um, Samsung, Google, Apple. So a lot of times they'll be providing assets to us Mm -hmm. and then we'll, We'll slice them or compress them or do whatever needs doing. But Optus, I would say, at least from an SEO perspective, the vast majority of our teams and our work is done in-house. Yep. So like our, our engineers and our developers, our designers, you know, our uh, kind of UX and all of that, that's all in-house.
0: In that, if you can recall back to maybe, you know, around that sort of first 90 days when you're in the role and you've landed and you're like, okay, cool. I, I can see how this this massive, big, SEO pies broken up into smaller SEO pies. What were the actions that you took in that first 90 days that you, you know, felt like moved the needle the most?
2: Well, I mean the first 90 days. So I started at the end of June um, yep. in 2019. So iPhone was in my first 90 days. Yeah. What? Um, Sorry. iPhone was in my first 90 days.
0: Oh, uh, yep. Yep.
2: So that was that's always a, a learning curve because we we start prepping for iPhone. Like we're starting yeah. to prep for iPhone. We started to prep for iPhone last month. Yep. Um, in terms of you know cleaning up our libraries, making sure everything is as efficient as it can be, you know, making sure that our checkout can carry the capacity and, and, and the spike capacity and all of that. So iPhone was actually one of the biggest things that happened when I when I came on, pretty yep. much from from day zero. In terms of things that I did outside of that to move the needle, one of the big things actually was looking at our image sizes. We had some images that were like 10 megs. Mm. And I looked at that and was just like, hey, friends, (laughs) we should fix this. One of the biggest things actually was just getting to know the team and getting to know the developers and getting to know the designers and having conversations with them, particularly from... An enterprise level position where it's a big ship it takes a lot to move so like some of the conversations that I was having when I started came to fruition eight months to a year later because stuff just takes time so it is it's really about coming to conversations humbly and saying okay this is this is what matters from my perspective and this is why it's important. And this is probably why it's important to both of us. And how can we, how can we integrate this and work with this in the future um, in terms of how we build things?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Russ, you hear that a lot. Like when I talk to people who work as an SEO in an organization, as opposed to somebody working within an agency, that is generally, I think the biggest uh, or one of the biggest challenges they face is basically making sure that all other aspects of the organization understand the importance of SEO, how it fits into the bigger picture, because, you know, everyone's coming at it from the best angle possible, but at the same time, there's so many different requirements, you know, there's so many different um, things that people are are wary of or, or need to plan for. And SEO is only one element in a bigger picture. And so I think to be a really good, in-house SEO for what I can piece together. You don't just need to be really strong technically and know what to do from an execution perspective. You need to be able to present your case in a compelling manner that brings everybody on board as well. So I think if I ever do shift into an in-house role, amount the first thing I'm going to do is make friends with developers. I'm going to buy them donuts every day.
2: Donuts uh, and beer. Take them
1: out for lunch. Beer. There you go. Right? As many incentives as I can throw their way.
2: Absolutely. And, and I think... I've been very lucky at Optus because most of the developers and engineers that I've worked with have been um, massively on board and have been like, yes, tell me more about SEO. Part of that as well is because we have our front end dev teams and our engineering teams are also targeted on website performance as well as from an Optus perspective, just generally because we are such a big organization and do serve so much of the Australian population. We're very, very strict about our accessibility as well. So it, between accessibility and performance, I have inroads to most of our devs and engineers when it comes to this thing that will help SEO, will also help our performance, will also help our accessibility. So there is there are multiple angles that I can come up the conversation from as well. So that's a little, I don't know, I hate to use the word, but a little like SEO hack, if you're in half like performance and accessibility are probably some of the easiest inroads for conversations
0: that you can have with engineers and developers. That's actually really cool. I was going to, I was going to ask whether the conversation is like opening those conversations is getting easier as you know, the algorithm is getting smarter. It's making that mesh of, of performance and, and engagement and the like really cross over with with the signals that, that help you rank. So have those conversations, you've been at Optus for a couple of years now, and you've obviously been doing uh, these roles for a n- number of time. Uh, have those conversations been getting easier to have, or are you just getting better at finding openings like you just mentioned there to, to bring in that buy-in from others?
2: It's a bit of column A, bit of column B, right? And and yep. there's a lot of things where there are projects going on in our um, dev teams or engineering teams where I hear about them. Like that is really good like good on you for picking that up because it will help so many other things. So that's all, it's a combination of everything. I think everyone is becoming a bit more aware of how important performance is, particularly with the amount of JavaScript libraries that we use, but also they are more aware of my existence and the existence of the SEO team. And I feel like I've probably trained most of the developers that i work closely enough with to just be like oh hey I should talk to amanda about this like what is this what's this about like yeah. type deal so
0: that's really cool gabe what, what have you found outside of beer and donuts are good ways to get to get buying from those other really key stakeholders because you know seo is crossing over into cro and ux and development design like there's, there's all these different people that are touched different departments you know quite rightly um you know quite protective of their turf but how, how can you bring a look, you know, you win, I win, everyone wins. How do you bring that mentality? Some other ideas.
1: I, I loved hearing what Amanda said about the people she works with and how on board they are and receptive they are to everything that Amanda suggests, because the fear I would have is that you walk into an organization and everybody's very protective, as you said, very protective over their turf and what could potentially occur in a situation where maybe the organization isn't as mature around SEO is that, Developers, as an example, might see SEO as a threat as they're coming in to scrutinize their work. And if they don't understand the relationship between SEO and development, they might also question some of the recommendations because the website might be perfectly healthy from a usability perspective, it might operate reasonably well, they might be able to navigate the website well. But from a Google perspective, there might be serious hurdles that aren't immediately obvious to a developer, and that's where I say you haven't necessarily done anything wrong from a development perspective, it's not a critique on the work that you've done, it's just purely about making sure that this great work uh, is set up for success when it comes to Google, which is a, a different conversation almost altogether. And so I think the way in which you can get around that is basically by showing them that you're not there to be a competitor, you're not there to make their life difficult or to, as I said, critique or be a taskmaster but actually the opposite. So if I was working with these other teams, I would go out of my way to make sure that their great work is known to to management, that I'm constantly pushing them up and I'm constantly acknowledging and crediting the performance of the website based on how the other teams are working with me, as opposed to being all like, everyone else is doing it wrong, I know how to do it right, only SEO knows best. Um, I would think that's the best way to make a lot of different enemies. So I think it's not just about showing that you're a friend, it's also about making sure that you're sharing in that credit and that wherever possible you're, you're kind of pushing people up as well.
0: Gabe, you've just inadvertently given us our first soundbite. Everyone else is doing it wrong. SEO knows best. I'm just going to cut that little bit out. <laughs>
1: Sorry.
2: No, I, Great. I think Thanks, Ross. For- <laughs> I think for me one of the things that I try and do as well is always be very generous with my time if someone asks me a question or if someone is curious about something like I'll be very open with them and you know have have a chat and and speak to them as equals in that kind of open conversation I'm not necessarily coming to it like you said Gabe where it's like Oh yeah, SEO. SEO knows best. Like You can't do it this way because of X, y, or Z. I tend to focus on really kind of accessible metaphors as well. Um, so one of my favorites is that I actually describe Google's crawling and Google, Google's like indexing bot and spider as a toddler on a sugar high. Because if you, if you put anything in its way and you make it like life difficult, it'll have a tantrum and won't come back. Whereas if you, you make things really easy for it, it'll just run around in circles forever and like go off and, and find everything.
0: So that's ancient. Gabe's got a similar um, toddler reference Maybe it's just well. being a parent
1: that we're just thinking about kids. But um, <laughs> for me, I'm like, treat Google like a toddler. So we always hear about how wonderful and sophisticated and amazing Google is and how clever they are. And I think sometimes Google also like to create that impression. As an example, they like to give you the impression that they have like a perfect understanding of what is a paid link and what is not a paid link when I very much doubt the algorithm is actually that clever, right? So I think that's just like adding in that scare factor um, so that people toe the line. But one thing I always say is treat Google like a toddler. So. Even assuming that they are really sophisticated and really clever, if you actually treat them like they're not, then you know, if, you, if you make it as, inc- as obvious as possible, as an example, when you're structuring content on a page, so you're not leaving anything to chance, the, the context is there, you got the consistency between your headings, your title tags, your on-page content, it's very, very clear what that piece of content is about, you are going to be best positioned. So it's always having that mindset with Google as opposed to going, well, Google's so clever, we don't really have to go that extra mile.
0: That's so interesting seeing you both just in full agreement there. And, Rand, if we could take it uh, back to us, what are some of the things over the couple of years that you've been there that you're most proud of? I, I, I get that, you know, a lot of it is, is product-led, so you've got, you know, new releases and the like that you need to get ahead of. So what, what, what are some of the wins that you, you can share that you, you're really super proud of in your yeah, time?
2: Yeah, I, I think probably the biggest one is the performance of our iPhone launch this last year, we were we saw a 33% incremental increase in traffic um, year on year. And we also were the first telco for the broad iPhone 12 search for, I want to say a solid four weeks. And yeah. in that very critical time period of announcement to pre-order as well. So that is the fruit of having those long conversations with our designers and our developers and you know, how we, how we build the page and what URL we use and how we structure our angular libraries and how all of these conversations around how we should actually build the thing basically.
0: So what do you see then moving forward as like key to the, the future roadmap for, for Optus's SEO growth?
2: yeah look it's it 's a combination of of a few things I think for us generally at the moment we we assume that when our customer comes to the website, they already know what from they want, so at the moment we 're treating it much more like a shop front than necessarily a a learning portal and I think we have been starting to build out kind of that top of funnel, long tail presence, but that whole kind of spoken hub content plan is something that I think we need to continue to build. And for multiple reasons, because kind of a, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, but also because pe- there are so many touch points in the journey that someone may read an article you know, six months from when they purchase, and that will trigger Optus because it'll have more share of mind and share of wallet. But then the other side of it, I think, is also looking at how we use our JavaScript libraries at the moment, our entire framework is is JavaScript. Like if you turn JavaScript off on the Optus website, you're shit out of luck. Like you see nothing basically. And we have, we're, we have different proof of concepts in at the moment around things like server-side rendering and, and a few other things. But again, because it is such a large organization and there are so many moving parts and, you know, it'll cost money um, to do server-side rendering. That's all an evolving conversation in how we manage what is best for the customer because server-side rendering will improve the customer experience as well because you know instead of taking you know a few seconds to, to connect to the server and serve the page you know it'll happen a lot more quickly uh, so there's there's that whole that whole conversation as well in terms of how do we how do we manage our JavaScript libraries do we do server-side rendering or dynamic rendering or do we you know break down our libraries and do smaller rehydration packages like there are there are a couple of different ways to attack it so that's that's an ongoing conversation as well
0: that's interesting from from a content perspective you talked about that sort of top of funnel content and and trying to figure out okay well how do we get that you know start to to get in that customer journey a bit earlier but that the challenge there with the with the technology product is like how do you write content that is going to stay evergreen or is going to stay relevant or are you just constantly what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that, Amanda, in terms of making sure that it's relevant? And how closely do you work with the content team on that as well?
2: Um, well, sometimes I am the content team. Sometimes okay. I, yeah. I do actually write the content because we are agile, right? Yeah. So we have um, different squads with different responsibilities and different yeah. chapters with different responsibilities. And sometimes it is like, okay, if you want this article written, you're writing it. Yeah, um, which that's is, a handy which is...
0: skill set to fall back on.
2: <laughs> there you go. But I think, From a content perspective, a lot of what we focus on is actually more on features of the phone. So, for example, a lot of people are really interested in cameras and, okay, what is a 12 megapixel camera and what's, you know, a 2.2 f-stop and what does that mean in reality and um, what is pixel binning and, you know, even just interest in like the chipsets, like the Exynos 680, 20 or, you know, whatever they're called so looking more at kind of the, the features and specs and disseminating those for people into what that actually translates to in the real world mm-hmm. a lot of times is is where we found more success with our with our content pieces and and where where vendors are comfortable with it we do sometimes attack the review angle as well mm-hmm. which from a telco perspective there are some vendors that are like no no we we cannot have you doing this kind of writing because there's no way anyone is going to think you're unbiased
0: mm.
2: because you're not, you're selling this product. So there are nuances there as well. So we can kind of sideways attack the, the review concepts by again, looking at features and specs and translating those for people.
1: Yeah, for sure. that's really interesting. This was gonna be my next question essentially, like how you felt about review content. I think the other potential hurdle that you might face there is not just that you could be seen as being unbiased, but also in that, you know, how do you critique a product that, you know, you essentially sell? So are you shooting yourself in the foot by doing that? How far, like how objective can you be when writing something that is essentially negative? So, I mean, that's a tough one, you know, we kind of have a different challenge, I guess, coming at it from an agency perspective where we might have clients that sell, um, you know, products in that space. And we know that there's obviously huge interest in reviews, you know, people when they're buying the latest and greatest phone, they want to understand all of the different specs, you know, how does it compare to the previous release? How does it compare to other phones, uh, similar priced, and so there's definitely demand for that content, but just the way in which we approach it is, is complex. The, the other thing that I tend to think about is, you know, as an agency, we produce a lot of content, but sometimes we get into a space where the content can be of quite a technical nature. So if you're writing about a phone, really you want somebody who works in that industry that understands phones day in, day out, like the, the ins and outs of phones, and can talk at it from that expert level, because that's gonna bring out the best and most useful content, which is essentially what Google wants us to do anyway. And so when you're writing that content, like what is your process in terms of research? You know, Are there people within the organization that you can help that can contribute to that or can help you with sort of a fact-finding mission?
2: Yeah, so for example, one of the ways that we do try and approach reviews without necessarily writing a review ourselves as well. I'll actually um, pull together reviews from other places on the internet and compile them for people and say, okay, this is what people are saying about the phone. So it's not necessarily us attributing it to ourselves, but us saying, if you want a number of different opinions and kind of a pulse check on what people are saying about this device, this is what people are saying. Um, Like the internet says um, kind of deal. And then We are very lucky sometimes in that vendors will, again, for those kind of uh, feature pieces and those specs translations, we will work with vendors to get in-house experts at that vendor to talk to us and say, okay, this is what this camera spec actually means, or this is what this new lens can do and how we see people using it day to day, or this is how we see this application of this new feature. Um, that we rolled out specifically with this new phone or whatever it may be so you can definitely come at it at different angles for sure with without getting
0: that really kind of biased kind of veneer over everything I love that idea of just yeah this is what the internet's saying and just sort lot of pulling it all into one place so that's a pretty cool way to to be impartial and to actually present something that's that's of value to people who are considering that that particular product that's great I've got one last question and then Gabe's going to move into some quick fire questions. But my one is just around, he's going to ask you a bit about, you know, different software tools. But I'm curious about your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day in your job. Is, is there something that you use that people go, oh, wow, enterprise-level SEO uses that?
2: Not really. Like, I, I tend to stick towards the pretty kind of standard tool set, like yep. Ahrefs, Google Webmaster Tools one of my kind of back pocket tools is answer the public as well as also ask but i think right now their website is under maintenance and it's the tool isn't available or it was at least the last couple of times that i checked but i basically and then also just serps and just google itself i feel like um there's there's a point kind of in the middle of seo's careers where they're like oh i just need i need tools tools will do everything for me um and sometimes they actually forget like you should be looking at the search result you should actually be going to the search result and seeing what's there and like if there's a ton of videos like create video content and then also there's i unfortunately we weren't able to onboard the tool but i was lucky enough to speak with Bernard Huang, back when we were still doing in-person conferences, I think this was in February last year, he owns ClearScope, which is, it's basically a tool that consolidates natural language processing and the natural language processing API and tells you what the important topics are. Um, and how you should be writing things. So that's, that's another really kind of key tool. Sometimes I will just go to the natural language processing API and use the demo and dump content in there and just be like, okay, what topics should I be covering here? Like what does Google think is related to these things? And I think that's something that a lot of people may kind of softly weigh where I, whereas I think that's probably a lot more important than kind of strict keyword research. It's understanding the topics.
0: That's super interesting, that point around, you know, a new SEO going, oh, wow, I've got all these tools. Let me just get my head around all of these and figure out every single feature that it's got. But forgetting that the tools are literally, you know, there to help you with the SERP. So how about looking at the SERP? How about, you know, going through and doing that analysis yourself, figuring out, you know, all that stuff that you've learned and and trying to to figure it out from looking at what Google is actually telling you as opposed to potentially what your tools are. That's a great point. Love it. So thanks so much, Amanda. We've just got a few more questions. Gabe's going to fire them at your vox pop style. So I'm going to warn you in advance. They're going to come through thick and fast. It needs to be the first thing that pops into your head. Boom, let it out. I'm literally going to go three, two, one, if you're taking too long, and he's going to move on to the next one. So, <laughs> All right.
1: On your marks. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's roll them out. Which previous Google algorithm change still keeps you up at night?
2: Uh... Panda.
1: (laughs) All right, gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? Content. What's the most effective link building technique you've used?
2: Building relationships with people.
1: Nice. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yes. What do you love most about SEO?
2: Solving puzzles and helping people.
1: How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life?
2: Oh, I I don't.
1: (laughs) All right, moving on. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life?
2: Hybrid life.
1: Semrush, Ahrefs or Moz? Ahrefs. Agency or in house or combo? In house. In yes, house, nice. That was Excellent. quick. That was good.
0: You answered them all. Great work. I did. I didn't need to do a countdown at all. Great work. <laughs> cool. Amanda, thank you. That's been an amazing conversation. So much experience, uh, so much cool information. Lots around soft skills and just, you know, the way things have progressed over the years. We really, really appreciate your time. For anyone that's that's tuning in today, give us a review. Five stars on whatever platform it is. If it's Apple Podcasts, if it's Pocket Casts, Google, wherever it is, just pop a five-star review on there. Tell your SEO nerd friends about it. We'd love to, you know, to really build this audience and have this go for a long time. Any other closing remarks, Gabe?
1: Now that was awesome. Actually, one thing I really loved, one of your answers, Amanda, I loved all your answers, but one of them in particular was around the not obvious software tools because as Russ is asking these questions, I'm also in my own mind trying to answer them. <laughs> like if I, was in, if I was in the hotspot, if I was in your position, and the one that immediately came to mind was Google itself. So I loved that you used that reference because one thing that I see so commonly is that people will do keyword research and they won't take the time to actually confirm or validate that those keywords are actually relevant to the business or industry, right? So they just, they made the determination that, oh, that sounds relevant. When, if you actually plug the keyword into Google, Google will retrieve a whole set of results that have nothing to do with your client's website. So you're actually, you've lost the game before you've even started. So it's just so important that as SEOs and as SEO becomes so much more challenging and complex and and the goalposts keep getting shifted that we don't lose sight of the fundamentals.
0: Great
2: point. Absolutely. Thank you guys. It was was lovely chatting to you. We should do this again.
0: That would be great. That would be awesome. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.